Welcome to the Weekly Roar. I'm Grant Brunner. I'm Rob Webster. This is episode 753. The loudest motorcycle in all of history is outside my house right as I begin this fucking podcast. With us today is Lothlin. What animal are you thinking of today, Lothlin? Uh, it's cat. It's usually cat. Also, I have two right next to me, so... Are they feeling spooky for spooky season? <laughs> you gotta paint them black. Nah. Uh, I don't think my cat, cats realize that it's spooky season. Spooky cats do. Um, Rob, what animal are you thinking of? Horseshoe crab. I thought you were about to say horseshit. Horseshit! <laughs> <laughs> I kind of want to change that. Answer. Uh, horseshoe crabs, there's a bunch of those uh, in Delaware. Uh, in our beaches, we have we have horseshoe crabs. Man, to me, they look like a surrealist crab. I don't think I've ever seen one outside of uh, a glass prison in which they belong. Yeah, they uh, they're not. There's not like a ton of them. They're not. They're not like a a, a deeply populated species. Um, they're real old. Like they're they're like living fossil, meaning like they haven't changed in any meaningful capacity in a long, 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 long time. Um, and uh, also, their blood is used for uh, medical purposes. So they har- they harvest their blood. Their creepy oh, yeah. blue blood. I've heard that. Yeah. Do they have uh, crab claws? I have no idea. Yeah, they're little, like they're little pinchers. They're not. They're, I wouldn't say that they look like a lot. Like a, if you're thinking like an iconographic crab, but they're like they're little pinchers. They're they're, oh, that's cool. they're crab. They're crab esque. Um, sometimes oh. you'll see them flipped upside down. Oh, it says it's. They're not actually crabs or crustaceans at all. Yeah, well, also, what, also what we conceptualize as a crab is also in a bunch of different. Uh, they're not. They're not all related uh, closely. Uh, carcinization means that uh, lots of different uh, species end up all in par- uh, parallel uh, evolving into crab-like things. Genuinely, cra- as of today, uh, uploaded a new song to my SoundCloud called "Become Crustacean." Yeah, I mean, like it is a thing where it's like it's the same thing like trees, where we think we conceptualize tree as like a type of thing, but lots of trees are not closely related at all. Like they're they're all plants, so like they're all you know in some basic way in the in the same way that like all life on Earth is related to each other. Um, but they're not, they're not closely related. They just found us a working strategy. Same thing with crabs. Crab, the, the, the structure of a crab or the general crabbiness of a crab, it's, it's a, it's a fucking system that works. And so things evolve towards crab over time. I've just, uh, I've just, uh, Google imaged a horseshoe crab using, uh, an unpopular search engine. Um, and the first image is of them being milked, I assume, for their blue blood. Uh, but to me, it looks like they're all a little juice bar, so I've sent that to you. Yeah, oh man, they chopped off their tail. Fucked up. It is pretty fucked up. But uh, I guess I, I, when I thought about them using their blood, I, 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 in my head, I want it to be like when you donate blood as a human, and they just stick <laughs> a little, they just stick a little needle in your arm, and then yeah, give them a biscuit afterwards. Yeah, yeah, um, I don't think so. Unfortunately, that does not does not seem like what they're what they're doing to those poor horseshoe crabs. <laughs> um, I am gonna go with uh, neighbor dog Pepper and neighbor dog. Uh, uh, Gogo, both seem to have been given away. Aww. No more, no more neighbor dogs. I mean, listen, my neighborhood has too many dogs. That has so many fucking dogs. But the 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 good ones right next door seem to no longer seem to no longer live next door to me. So, oh, that's a shame. Unfortunate. Um, video games. Rob, have you been playing video game or video games? 
I've been playing video games, but only on a technicality. But, uh, <laughs> because so Splatoon been... 2 and Splatoon 3 are separate games. Uh, <laughs> the Slay the Spire counts okay. is the only technicality. Uh, no, I've been playing a lot of Splatoon 3 and a little bit of Slay the Spire. Um, Splatoon 3 remains... Hey, that game's good. Um it's uh, the thing that I had forgotten about Splatoon 2 is how many different things you are able to do in the game because you've got the regular Surf Wars, you've got the uh, the ranked battle, which are all different games modes. You've got basically five different rule sets uh, there. You've got the Salmon Run, which we've been playing a lot of. Salmon Run is a lot of fun. That's the player versus enemy mode where you're harvesting eggs from salmons. Um, and yeah, as, as uh, ten minutes before um, we pressed the record button on this podcast, I was playing the Table Turf Battle, which is the new card game mode that they've got, which is where I was getting schooled by an anthropomorphized horseshoe crab. So I'm I'm happy about having their tails off. I think they. <laughs> I'm glad to get my revenge. Um, huh. So that uh, a card mode? Like, are you are you like? Is it is it like? It's like, hey, we 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 made a split. Uh, Splatherine Gwent. Kind of, yeah. I say a card mode. I think it borrows the aesthetics of a card game rather than any of the mechanics of a card game. You probably could make it as a tabletop game if you wanted to, but you'd need to use a lot of like uh, semi-transparent acetate. So basically, you will construct a deck of uh, 15 cards and um, you as you level up it's one of the things that you get as you level up levels in Splatoon 3 is card packs and it's like like opening a pack of Pokemon cards like opening I assume a pack of Magic the Gathering cards um, it has a nice satisfying ooh look at this card and they've all got little illustrations um, but basically it is an abstracted turf war so in Splatoon it's an, at, the, at the end of the game it goes to an aerial view of uh, the map that you've been fighting on and it counts up how much uh, yellow ink and how much blue ink or whatever the two colours are uh, is in each half and decides who are the good guys and who, uh, sorry, who are the winners and who are the losers um, and in the exact same way, Table Turf Battle you, have the, you play these cards that are different basically ink splat sizes and they get uh, put onto a grid and you're trying to tessellate it so that you are denying your opponent um, grid squares that you are gaining your own grid, grid squares um it's one of those things that's just a funny little slide sideshow and then an hour later i'm like i reckon i can beat this horseshoe crab it's it's weird and fun and uh yeah it's as i say it's it more borrows the aesthetic uh the kind of rad gnarly aesthetic that um splatoon goes for rather than um actually being something that like that you would play with cards in the real world but mm-hmm. it's cool it's a turn-based it's a turn-based game you're you're to tap this card to be a kid now <laughs> to turn yes. it to be a squid now <laughs> i think you're both kid and squid on all your cards one thing that is cute is that all of the cards so i say that they've got different uh, ink splatter shapes which is basically tetrominoes of like i say tetrominoes it's from like three squares to about 15 17 squares or whatever um but they the shapes are all based on the weapons in the game the characters in the game uh some of the brands some of the uh inklings from sorry not inklings the salmons from salmon run that you'll be just like all of the different uh and you get a funny little illustration that they've all it's all pencil drawn and it's got its own little aesthetic within it it's really cool it's really fun 
this is a, an episode where we have uh where we're coming to terms with the with the words we use with re- uh revolving sea life um obviously <laughs> like getting eggs from a salmon is a thing that i'm familiar with uh like you know you have roe you have caviar etc 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 things that exist but harvesting eggs sounds terrible <laughs> yeah it sounds like you've got a field of uh summons well, yeah uh, it's not it's not good uh anything else about splatoon or any other games before we move forward no no um i still like say the spire but i have nothing new to say are you playing like a mod or are you playing vanilla i it depends on my mood <laughs> okay uh, did you play much of that because i know you, you brought up the mod did yes. you end up playing much of it i've not played loads of my mod uh so my mods have the mod so i play it now and then um but broadly i think what i would say is that the vanilla experience is the main thing that i'm going to slay the spire for but every now and then when i think See a little bit of a change. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to boot up the mod. I'm going to play as the Hexaghost. And uh, it's a good time. Is there any uh, indication that they, the people behind Slay the Spire are working on a new game? I think they've said they're working on a new game of some variety. I don't know if it's guaranteed to be Slay the Spire or not. Mm-hmm. Um, but they, they, they've spoken cryptically, and I think they understand that their fa- fans are Slay the Spire fans. So I presume that it will, if not Slay the Spire, if, if, if it's not Slay the Spire, I assume it will be an interesting, replayable, card-based game. Uh, maybe that's just me assuming too much. Yeah, because, you know, like, uh, like what is it, um, Supergiant, um, like, they just make games that like are pretty different from each other like hades does not yeah. really like their other game i mean like in like a vague extremely high level way there are similarities but any of the details are very very different i think you can see this yeah you can see the dna and you can see ideas that have risen up in one game and then got fleshed out in the other but yeah basically the thread is hey these games are good yeah yeah, yeah. um and that's, that looks like their name is Megacrit. Yes, is the people them. who make Slay the Spire. Uh, Laughlin, you uh, you need to to dip out. So you want to talk about anything you want to talk about, and then bounce. Uh, sure, I can do that. Okay. Um, what what are what are you playing? What are you what are you reading? What is it? What are you what are you what, what would you like to discuss on the podcast? Well, first of all, I want to know how are you liking uh, the moving pictures. I have not started it. I have bought it. Um, there's, there's, you know, I have like fucking four audiobooks downloaded on my, on my phone. So I have, I have some stuff to get through. But it's, you know, I bought, I bought it. I spent money on it, so it is. It is on the list of things to get to. I'm currently. I'm. I'm. Uh, I'm working in some old Star Wars EU novels um, into the things that I that I liked, and I'm like, man. It's been a long time. Like, these are books from, like, fucking 2006. So I've been uh, mixing those in, uh, and then I've been reading some Le Guin stuff. Um, there's a Mary Roach book that came out uh, recent, oh. somewhat recently, and I've been meaning to read that. And then uh, oh, uh, it's called... Uh, let, me, let me see what the new one's called. Uh, it is called... It downloaded... It's called Fuzz. Uh, what is this about police? Uh, it's it's when I think the premise of it is when animals conflict with human construction, like human laws. 
like the so it it is how the the natural world and humans interface and how that doesn't uh work out for humans often <laughs> or the animals honestly it is often not it is often not great for either uh i think is the is the premise so those are the those are things um that I'm looking at, but yeah, yes, I, uh, I, uh, asked for recommendations for, for Terry Pratchett novels, uh, and moving pictures was the one that was recommended by both Rob and Laughlin. So I will, I'll be getting to that, uh, eventually. Okay. Uh, apart from that, I, uh, today or for you, uh, yesterday was the pre-patch day for World of Warcraft. And of course, many, many issues, like always, Every patch day is normal, but they they introduced it's a pre patch for Dragonflight, which comes out in a month. Mm-hmm. Anything so, anything of note, or is it just like just basically prep and and you know nipping things in the bud? Well, judging from the fact that the whole talent trees were completely revamped and made anew, yeah, pretty big stuff happened. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, UI was also completely redone. It's very like new and shiny, and you can move everything. Well, well almost good. everything. Because I know, I know that MMOs have like a long history of people running like third-party add-ons to do that, and yeah. then the kind of like the um, the developers not being like super thrilled about it because <laughs> multiple reasons. Because anytime you're like editing executables or things like that, you could be cheating, and like so, there's like having to filter out like relatively normal people from cheaters and that's a problem and then the other thing is it can add um like tech support problems where if people install these things and are having problems and then you like hey my shit keeps crashing well it's like well nothing it's nothing we can control it's this other thing that you have installed yeah basically every time something bad happens uh, to your game and you go to blizzard with this they say did you try turning off the add-ons and doing it again yeah and it, it usually helps yeah. But uh, most of the time, uh, Blizzard doesn't have a problem with add-ons, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, issues uh, happen in Wrath of the Lich King once, when uh, something absolutely, completely fucking revolutionary came out. I don't remember what the name was of that, but it was, uh, it was an add-on that allowed you to draw on the playing field. Mm. So you could like put marks and like arrows and, and shit on the like in the mm, in the three D world, for yeah. example. And it made everything so much easier. And uh, Blizzard decided that yeah, that's a little too much maybe. Boo you should steal but, it and put it in your game, not ban it. Well, uh they did decide to um well not copy, but like take inspiration from uh, certain things that I did, that it did, and they uh, added like marks mm-hmm. that you could put on, on on the ground, and they would hover, so people would I don't know know which way to run if something happens, for example. But other than that, it uh, the that oven was was killed. It was it was too much, and I agree because it made seriously it made everything so much easier. This is like one of those things where because I'm not a sport 
I'm not like a sporting person or like a competitive person. Anytime mm-hmm. I see a thing that makes the, the the general experience better, I'm like, that sounds good. And then you get all these sports people where it's like, no, it can't be. We could only ever have people with like natural genetic abilities doing a thing. And it's like, but why? But why? People people playing the game 800 hours a week and memorizing where all the shit is, and they can do it that way versus oh somebody can draw a fucking arrow what the fuck does it matter it's literally the it's like it's the same thing you're just broadening it broadening it to more people and the people are like no we can't we, we, it's the integrity of the game no no in in wow <laughs> thankfully uh nothing like that uh happens really uh, people don't get mad at add-ons they get mad at add-ons when uh they are not updated sometimes mm-hmm. Um, basically and Blizzard is very chill about them most of the time they really don't have any problems they just don't want you to like uh, sell them Mm -hmm. so it's all donation based basically Um, so there in the past I don't know week and a half there's been uh, confirmation that the next Sims game is in development, but mm-hmm. pretty pretty minimal beyond that. Not not a lot of information beyond that. Mm-hmm. Um, I am very curious what they what they can offer besides it looks better. Um, because like the the Sims Four at this point is a pretty good offering. It's like a, it's it it is it does what people want it to do broadly. Yeah. Um, and it runs pretty well, even if you have a relatively you know modest machine. Um, it, I'm I'm extremely curious what they do. Um. Because they they also have done like a, a, a something of like a of a generational break within The Sims Four, right? Because there's like the classic mode, and then there's like here's the that can run on even lower power machines, and then here's like the fully supported mode that is, has like updated visuals and and supports more things, right? Yeah, it's a relatively new feature. I think that it was added like early this year, I think, or maybe late last year. I, I, if I if I remember correctly, it was in the pandemic, some somewhere in the pandemic. In what? In during the pandemic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so it's uh, like I said, relatively new feature, yeah. and the game itself is like, oh my god, is it six years old now? Something like that. It's it it is, it is certainly pandemic. aging. It is certainly so like it definitely is aging. But I I what I want what I want to see is all right. What does it, what does the new Sims game look like? Because what I what I am somewhat concerned about is. You know that they're owned by a megacorp. Um, is is the is it just hey we're adding new uh, like ways to squeeze money out of people and this is our innovation to The Sims, uh, a, a franchise noted for squeezing money out of people? Because uh, if it's just we figured out more ways for you to pay us, uh, that's not great. Um, but maybe maybe they have something cool planned like maybe they maybe they sat on it until they had a like okay this is this is what next generation sims can be well there was lots of talks about um actually open word again mm. because uh in uh, in sims 4 right now mm-hmm. the word is no, it's not really open word right uh but in Sims 3, it was, and mm. people absolutely loved it. There was a lot of talk about um, like co-op game, gameplay and like multiplayer. Mm-hmm. And there was a lot of talk about it, but uh, it was not very 
warmly received by the player base. Yeah, because it's like, there's definitely multiplayer stuff that you could add to The Sims that could be cool. Like, if you have things like you can, like, match up and sh- have a shared world with, you know, two, three, four, five yeah, people, right? could be great. If it is like, we have made it an MMO, <laughs> then it's not, then it's not, it's not great. It's not what you want. No, no, literally no one wants to. Yeah. Um, at, at best, people want to, like, um, an ability to have a shared word between, like, two or three people. Yeah. Maybe, but like it. like a Minecraft server, like like this yeah. is like yeah. we we have set this up. This is for us. It is for no one else. We live here. If I if I if I add a building here, it'll show up when you boot up the game. We could play. We could play simultaneously. We could play asynchronously. If they had that, I think that would be very cool for the Sims. Yeah, like like Valheim. Sure. Um. So yeah, pretty cool. Uh, anything else you want to talk about before you bounce? Um. Uh, I'm thinking. Um. I'm not sure. I'm literally just resting. Doing anything uh, for Halloween? Um, oh, yeah. Halloween, yes. I am actually going to the Lake District. Okay. <laughs> we, we are going to have a bunch of bonfires and stuff. It's going to be awesome. Are you dressing up? Yeah, because it's seriously... I've been complaining about this, but the, the last month or so at work was absolutely hell. Mm. And I... Um, half of my brain is still at work all the time and I, I can't really properly relax and I can't really think about stuff properly. The creativity is gone. Mm-hmm. But I can tell you what I've been listening to at work because to like, distract myself. I'm sure you understand. Like you said with audiobooks. Yeah. I've been doing that. So I told you guys about the series that I'm listening to uh, right now and it's kind of trash mm-hmm. but it's uh, like a um, urban fantasy kind of mystery cozy mystery thing with knitting and it's kind of fun it's it sounds like it is custom made for you it's like they looked at your search history and made and wrote a book right i know <laughs> it is like everything that you're you're after shit if they make an mmo based in the universe it's like it's gonna be just like it's it's the law it's the laughlin ip yeah uh, what is yeah. that called uh vampire knitting Naps, uh, club series by um let me find my phone mm. Nancy Warren. Nancy Warren, a single yeah. person. It's pretty good. It's it's super cute. There is not a lot of romance in it, mm-hmm. and I appreciate it a lot because mm-hmm. uh, a, a lot of the um, books of the of similar genres or premises have really annoying habit of being insta love thrown in there, mm-hmm. and I hate. And this is there's nothing like this here. I'm at book five right now. How many books and, are there? Oh. Got like fourteen. Jesus, but they're they're kind of uh, short. Okay. Yeah, like like maybe twenty chapters to each of them, and runtime of each is well, I don't know, six hours maybe. Mm-hmm. I'm listening on Audible. Right. Oh, it's it's not really that bad, and um, it's a, about a witch who runs a knitting shop, and uh, people drop dead around her for some reason. It's not her fault, and she just is a witness a lot of the time. And she has this vampire friends who loves knitting, and she runs a shop, and they solve mysteries together. Exactly. <laughs> That sounds it sounds exactly like a thing that you would like. Yeah. And I do. 
<laughs> it's like seriously, it's not high ground furniture at sure. all, but it's super fun and so cute. That's good. It's a way to it's a way to keep you entertained during uh, yeah. like the gruel the grueling months. Definitely. Alrighty. Uh, so unless you have anything else, um, feel free to bounce, and we'll Thank keep you. keep on recording the podcast. Okay. Thanks so much, guys. And um, I'm sorry I have to go, but it's bedtime now. So. No problem. Good night. Bye. Rob. At Laughlin on Instagram. Yeah, oh yeah, at Laughlin. Uh, I'll see if I can remember to do that. What about about them Doctor Whos? Yeah, so Doctor Who, uh, I think, what did I call it in the show notes? I put rest in piss bad Doctor Who, which, uh, yes, so uh, on Sunday, the the current incarnation of Doctor Who farted out its last. Mm. In a 90-minute... So it's a bit of a weird episode because... they are not doing a full season this year, um, but because it's the BBC's 100th birthday, the BBC's been around for 100 years, happy birthday, happy birthday, they did an episode of Doctor Who for some reason, and it just happens to be the last one under the current showrunner. So I've been on this podcast before. Um, yeah, we've, we've, we've met you. Yeah, oh yeah, hello, my name's Rob Webster. Soundcloud.com forward slash Rob Webster. Now, I've been on this podcast before and talked about uh, how lacking I find the current incarnation of Doctor Who, and the mainly put it at the um, packet at the door of the head writer Chris Chibnall who my most charitable explanation is that he's never written for children's TV before uh, I say children's TV it's like for TV Fam- that is a family, a family audience yes 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 um, and it is not his natural setting so he became um, I think probably the thing that put him in the uh, driving seat was that he was the head writer of a monumentally successful uh, crime drama called Broadchurch that ran on ITV for three seasons. Um, And that was very much people being miserable in kitchens talking about their feelings. Um, And that set of skills, although he was a Doctor Who fan and um, he had written Doctor Who episodes in the past and they've been kind of fine, it didn't seem to translate. There's a lot of... The, 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 I've, I've talked in length about a lot of the things that are uh, <laughs> that are morally offensive. But the main thing that I just wish... I wish that he would get under wraps is... We can see what's happening on the TV screen, Chris. You don't need the characters to narrate like I'm listening to an audiobook. Uh-huh. It's, there's a lot of... Oh, look, the Cyberman is tearing a hole in the fence. I'm like, yeah, I can see that. Can we... Can Get on with the story, please. There's a lot of things that just read as amateur hour to me. And it's te- it's telling, not showing. Yeah, yeah, there's so much telling. It's t- telling while showing. Um, <laughs> it's like, I, I wouldn't mind so much if it was like, oh, we just encountered some Cybermen and they blew up my house. That would at least be telling us something we don't already fucking know. Um, it's, yeah. But it's, there's a lot of things that feel quite amateur. It feels very... Um, and I'm sure there have been lots of troubles behind the scenes. They 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 put out a season during uh, the. I mean, it's been about three years now since the pandemic started, so it would be weird at this stage if they hadn't. But there's like they had certain plans, and then they had to film it with the COVID restrictions. And clap clap clap! We're all very proud that you managed to get a series out despite the. Um, 
the, the general collapse of society. Yeah, 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 yeah. That that old thing. Um, I don't know. Maybe just press the pause button. Yeah. Oh, they did for a bit, and then they had to. This, this is <laughs> like people are like, and this is what we had to go through to make this movie or this TV show. And I was like, but but you you could just not. Yeah, you could just I think not do that. I think the side effect of uh, COVID is that it made me slightly more forgiving of uh, <laughs> the things where it was clearly wit- like clearly they had to film two different people at different time, and they 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 already had things like that where I was like, why is this person? not present in the scene until it cuts to close up of their face whereas now i'm like oh okay it's covid fine you're doing your best enjoy yeah um, like the fourth the fourth season of arrested development is not very good um but they couldn't they wanted to get people in but they couldn't get people together all at the same time and so like there are just whole scenes where it's like here's henry winkler in front of a green screen. Hey, everybody! <laughs> he's he's doing his shtick in front of a green screen, and uh, it's it's bad. It's bad. Yeah, there's out. a character called uh, Graham in the first two seasons of Chris Chibnall's Doctor Who, um, who is one of the Doctor's like companions, one of the one of the lead cast. But he's played by uh, an actor who is also the host of the most popular daytime quiz show, and he will quite often often just sit down and eat a sandwich in the middle of the episode and then 15 minutes later it'll be what's graham up to oh he's getting up to some spooky mischief cool let's check in with the other characters who were available for the entirety of filming this episode there's lots of weird stuff like that either way um the second season i would the first season i gave it's like there were things that i didn't like about it but there were also things that were a reasonable shift in tone from things that i'd maybe grown tired of over the years so i i i watched it with uh, I, a relatively forgiving uh, mindset. And then the second season, everything came off the rails. And then everything locked down for COVID. And then they did this weird abridged third season, by which time I was completely fed up is maybe the wrong word, but I, I'd completely given up hope on this show ever being good. And I would describe what I was doing as uh, hate watch. Not, not exactly hate watching, but it got to the stage of, oh, let's see what Doctor Who's doing this week. And... T- Taking it as a fever dream that I've watched once and never have to watch again, it was broadly entertaining while being kind of shit. Um, And I think that's the review that I would ultimately give to uh, Sunday's episode and the era as a whole. It was 90 minutes. So because it's the BBC's 100th anniversary, they thought screw it let's just bring in some characters from the past uh so there are lots of cameos from actors who used to play doctor who uh in the 70s well in the 80s and 90s and there's there's a weird there's a weird dynamic to it where it's none of the actors who were like massively popular when they were doctor who it was during the the, the era of the uh of the 20th century mm-hmm. um so if it's a strange vibe of the B-list meeting the B-list and it being like, oh, but th- and there are people who are really big fans of those uh, series and people who are very, very pleased. But they're dorks. Yeah, it is very much the, for the... They are going to be the nichest of the niche Doctor Who fans, but they'll have been very happy with uh, with that. And it's 
It just had the feeling of a big piss-up. Everyone's half-drunk. It's a party at the end of the world. Does it hang together? Not really. Was it basically fun to watch? Yeah, I'm happy that I watched it once. Is it the Citadel DLC of, like, eh, what if we all... What if we all had a party? It's basically that, yeah. Um, and it's over now, so... Yeah, yeah, it's all put, put this shit to bed. Yeah, it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't as good as the Citadel DLC, I should, uh, <laughs> in case I hadn't laboured that point enough. But, uh, uh, I saw yeah. a, br- a brief snippet of somebody, of, of the Lady Doctor fucking going super saiyan oh yeah uh it's that that's it that's what people were that's the that's the extent the full extent of the clip was that lady went super saiyan yeah she uh when you say went super saiyan do you mean that she glowed all yellow and stuff yeah yes yes uh and or like almost uh like a phoenix in the x-men series like uh the the light overtakes her Yes, so uh, the reason that people will have been sharing that or using it as media, etc., is that's what it looks like when they regenerate into the new actor. So that was that was her dying. Mm-hmm. Cool. Um, yeah, overall, like so, writing aside. Yes. Do you think that that the actress who played the most recent Doctor Who has w- did the best she could given the the lines that she had to perform. Yeah, I think she was good. I, I so yeah, Jodie Whittaker I thought was very it's 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 a very hard one to assess because the writing meant that she was a very and again, it's an unfortunate thing to happen with a first female doctor, but she was very passive. She didn't mm. really um fight the monsters in the same way that anyone <laughs> did. We ask, what if Doctor Who um did cooking while everybody else went on an adventure. <laughs> yeah, it sadly does feel like it's got a little bit of that subtext. She mostly uh, impotently snarls at them and says, come back right now, and then they just walk off. <laughs> that's not a joke that's happened multiple times. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, But I really enjoyed her performance. I think she, uh, she was clearly enjoying every minute of being Doctor Who. Yeah, I mean, you get to be, like, the the schlocky sci-fi thing. Yeah, why wouldn't yeah. you enjoy it? And I'm sure you no, get and, fucking fat checks. And there are things about, like, like so uh, the last couple of lines that she had as uh, the Doctor, I just felt like, oh, yeah, that's really... They've nailed her personality there. She's... Uh, she's not a particularly serious thing. Like she didn't, she didn't get to do a lot of the things where, like a lot of the previous doctors, would get to do a lot of speeches and a lot of snarling and a lot of uh, grandstanding. And she never really got to do that. But as a mild-mannered doctor, she was fun and she was good. And uh, yeah, I, I, I do wish we got to see more of people uh, turning her character around and seeing her from different angles as, as her predecessor's got to do. But yeah, what, what if the showrunner it? could have been a woman on the, the season where the woman is the doctor? Or one of the, let's let's say, what if one of the seasons where the woman is the or what if one of the times that the woman is the doctor is multiple seasons or multiple series of one doctor? But like, what if you could have representation beyond just the screen? What if the people who are making calls... Not like I'm sure that there have there are women writers or or non-binary writers, but like the people in charge of the thing. Oh, don't say that. They'll be wanting the vote next. <laughs> it's like that's it's important is you got you got to have people like the representation does not stop at the lens. 
Yeah, and I think they did a semi-okay job of that in her first season, um, They where they had a lot more of a writer's room mm. uh, set up, and the... It was less, here are the mad ideas that the showrunner had when he was about 15 and he's finally got to write them into Doctor Who. And it was more, okay, here's the most diverse uh, Doctor Who writer's room that we've had. Let's write stories about uh, about experiencing racism and about uh, the witch trials in mm-hmm. the UK and about uh, the uh, Indian separation and trying to tell all these diverse stories. And that kind of got lost towards the end of her run, uh, where it just turned into a weird fever dream. What if the where... Daleks stole a baby? It, yeah, it became a lot more along that. What if the Time Lords were Cybermen and the Master was in control of them and they made a plot with the Daleks and also the Doctors from the 80s were there? Yeah. I would say before the David Tennant stuff, yes. um, the only touchstone Americans had for Doctor Who was he's that guy with the scarf is the yes. full is the full extent of Doctor Who knowledge here in the United States. Yeah, no, and then and then David Tennant came back, came around, and he, he they became yeah more not yeah. I mean, it's certainly not. Saying. It's not the it's not the same level as 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 you know living in the UK. But yeah, I would say if you talk to anybody who is even mildly dorky, they they're going to be aware of 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 Doctor Who. Have you heard who the uh, the fourteenth Doctor is being played? Uh, by? didn't we talk about it? Uh, we did, but there has been a twist. Oh, okay. It's David Tennant. No. I thought... Yes. Did, did they... Uh, what? What happened to the other guy? Yeah. Oh, he's he's going to be the 15th. Oh, so they're... It, he's... <clears throat> no. I don't like it's that. That was my initial reaction as well. Uh, but in the hands of Russell T. Davis, I am willing to hear him out. And it was genuinely the first time I think it has ever been done. Uh, because we knew that David Tennant had been filming some things that were Doctor Who related, but we didn't know if it was like an alternate timeline or if it was just like some kind of anniversary thing or they do episodes where they've got the previous Doctors in. We didn't know if it was something like that. Um, and yeah, Sunday was the first time I think a Doctor Who episode went out and nobody knew 100% who she was going to regenerate into. And that's kind of cool. Huh. Um, just so you know, you're, you're getting a little, um, little compressed. So if, you, if there's any like downloads happening, you might want to pause those. Oh, not to my knowledge. But, okay. Uh, I will. I'll keep an eye out. All right. Um, yeah. Uh, going, go, like, uh, I say this as like a, as a, as a long suffering Star Wars fan. Yes. Um, the more you go back to the well, the, like, I, the, the more I roll my eyes and just like anytime it's like, do you remember when it was good? <laughs> Uh, I, it makes me less and less invested. Yeah, yes, I tend to agree. Um, and yeah, when they were originally filming and it was like, oh, they're just doing a few episodes as if it, it was David Tennant and then none of, the, none of the things in between had happened. I thought, that seems a bit weird. But the, the fact that they've set it up as a, not exactly a mystery, but they have very much so, uh, David Tennant's first line when um, he was initially introduced as the Doctor, as he rolls his tongue around his mouth and goes, hmm, new teeth, that's weird. And then his first line at the, as the 14th Doctor is, I know these teeth. 
<laughs> that's <laughs> a terrible uh. oh that's it's I disgusting it's very funny as a callback i mean it's funny it's funny conceptually and then you hear the words in your ears and it's bad yeah <laughs> well i'm sorry for spreading it much any further yeah so. now it's your your brain virus um, you're welcome <laughs> doctor who uh it would be cool if doctor who was good again yes Matt Smith it's has been the- all over the place because he's in. The, I think he's in the 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 Game of Thrones spinoff. Yes, House so, of Dragons. Yeah, so he's he's kind of been everywhere. I think he's in Morbius as well, right? Oh, I gather people <laughs> like that film. Yeah, everyone. Red's always talking about how much they love Morbius. Yeah, <laughs> so good that they put it out twice. So wildly yeah, successful. If, if it works, if it's what the people want. That's what everybody I know says is, when do we get more Morbius? Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a Morbin time. Morbius. It's like, a, it's. I mean, it's a little bit like, um, do you remember, I, do, I don't know if this was a, an internet thing that made its way across the, across the pond, but uh, mm. Snakes on a Plane in the, in the early mid-aughts. Oh yeah, I was very aware of Snakes on a Plane. <laughs> so like, in that like, it's a fun internet joke. Uh, and then <laughs> when you have to turn fun internet joke into, uh, do you make money at the box office? The answer is no. That's not how people make their ticket purchasing decisions is, is this a fun internet joke? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I uh... saw Snakes on a Plane uh, in theaters. Uh, it was fine. It's not good, but it's not bad. Did you enjoy the bit where he says motherfucking snakes? Yeah, I mean, listen, it's a good bit. Samuel Jackson is is incre- incredibly likable. The snake bites a guy on his dick. Oh my! Um, How uncouth! <laughs> yeah, pretty rude. IMO. The guy, and mind you, the guy's not whipping his dick out in an inappropriate way. He goes to the to the the the, the bathroom on the plane, and the snake oh. bites his dick. That man, um, that, that man was acting appropriately, and the snake is inappropriate. Yeah, no, you're right. It is the snake who's out of line. I, I take it back. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, so yeah, Doctor Who. Hope, hope, hope it's good. Uh, I, I watched. Uh, so Andor is uh, the latest Star Wars thing. I, I say this after having fallen off, fallen off the Boba Fett. Didn't finish watching Boba Fett. Watched mm-hmm. two episodes of Obi Wan, didn't finish Obi Wan, um, and then Andor comes out because they're like cranking this shit out fast. Yeah, Christ. Um, Andor is out, so there's it's still running. It's being released weekly, um, and people are like, "This is the best Star Wars has been since 1983." And I'm like, I roll. Um, like I don't believe you um, because because it's a it's a prequel to Rogue One. And I am already on <laughs> record as being like, when people said that about Rogue One, they're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think Rogue One is very interesting. In fact, I might say my le- mm, that's not true. Before <laughs> before Episode Nine came out, Rogue One was probably my least favorite Star Wars movie. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um. Episode nine is is an abomination, but it, it, like it's not it's not that it's like sh- uh, like shoddily made. It's just so boring. It, there's just so little stakes in anything, and I don't care about any of the characters. So they were like, it's a prequel to the prequel. <laughs> Rogue One's a prequel, and this is a prequel to Rogue One. And I'm just like, who is this for? 
who who is after this? Anyway, people on the internet in like general circles that I'm in are like, this is the best that Star Wars has ever been. And uh I've watched two episodes and um it's okay. Um the first two episodes um don't feel like it's connected to the Star Wars series. And like my understanding is it it, you know, goes more into it and it's you know, it's his origin story or whatever and how he gets involved with the rebellion, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Mm-hmm. But like the first two episodes like could be in any setting. Doesn't it, it regardless, doesn't doesn't have really much to do with Star Wars at all. Um so it's like, that's fine. And I'm like, hey, at least this is not taking place on fucking Tatooine. So like, I'll give them that. Um, it, yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's some fucking bullshit place that is irrelevant to the rest of the thing, which is good. I like that, that things are taking place in other places in the fucking galaxy. Uh, you have, you, you have a, a setting that is vast with so many fucking places and then it's always the sand planet. So it's good. It's very good that it's not, Hey, we're on the sand planet again. Um, it's also my understanding that the vast majority of this is done on like sets or on locations. It's not the green screen, like using literally using like the fancy, uh, like, uh, professional unity stuff to generate scenes, uh, you know, 3d scenes, um, like they're doing with, like they did with the other, TV shows, the other Star Wars mm-hmm. TV shows. So it is, it looks better. It looks less cheap because of that. And that's good. I like that. There are, there's, there's one scene where there's like a bell ringer and I'm like, this looks like it's shot on a green screen, but the other stuff doesn't. So that's like, it's good that I can immediately tell like, okay, this is, this, this looks, this looks real. Um, even if there's like CG elements, like they've at least nailed, Hey, this thing looks good. Um, I just don't find the, the first two episodes be, to be particularly com- compelling like they're not i'm not uh, put off by them i'm not i'm not angry at them i don't think that they're Mm -hmm. like shitty but like this is what people are saying is the best star wars what are we doing is it (laughs) is there an element of star wars has like if you are still watching star wars Mm -hmm. if you're watching every new star wars thing then you're a particular type of star wars person is it is it that it will appeal to those people or well so also it's my understanding that this is not doing the numbers that like boba fett or obi-wan did because Mm -hmm. like it doesn't have the fucking characters (laughs) um (laughs) um but so the thing that people like is that it's it's being um the like the 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 writing process is and i i think the showrunner is is uh tony gilroy who has like uh, you know he he has a track record people like his work and that's cool and the other thing that it has going for it is that um it's the, it is preset like the first season is going to be like f- one year of his life the second season is going to be like fought the five years leading up to Rogue One. And that is it. That's like, they have the specific mapped out. This is the story we want to tell. And that's good because like you can very much tell like Boba Fett or the Mandalorian. It's just like, I don't know. I mean, you gotta, people love that fucking baby Yoda. Mm-hmm. So, uh, we write more things where they go on wacky adventures with the baby Yoda. Um, that's what it feels like is that it doesn't feel like there's like a compelling reason for any of this shit to be happening. It's just like, well, we got to make stuff. 
is why you may yeah. you, well we want we want Ewan McGregor to come and and ha- have his name on the thing so we make an Obi-Wan show that's why it's not like we bought the rights yeah it's yeah we paid George Lucas a bunch of money um so that's fine like uh it, it, it is nice to have a thing where it's like they actually have like an idea of what they want to do instead of like well I guess we got to crank out some Obi-Wan shit um I <sighs> I hope I'm going. I'm going to continue watching it. Um, people have said so. I, I was talking to Jared, who has uh, said that it's good, and I said unless things start popping off, um, I am not loving it. Uh, he's like the third. The third episode is where things pop off. So maybe I'll come back next time and I'll be like, I'm a convert, which is totally possible. I'm not. I am not somebody who is who is unable to be converted. But um, the second that people started talking, like. This is the greatest shit Star Wars has ever been. I'm I am extremely skeptical about it. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um you want to talk about uh board games? Yeah, I can briefly go over. That. So I've I've been uh I've been playing a little, few little board games lately and it's as it's approaching uh spooky o'clock. Um Halloween I believe it's called. Um No, I think it's it's spooky o'clock. Okay. Yes. As it as it slowly as the clock ticks. Well, that's so that's the original like uh, the the original um, like Celtic uh, pronunciation is yes. <laughs> spooky o'clock. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> People call it Samhain, but it's not that. It just oh, looks God, like no. that. It's spooky o'clock. Spooky o'clock. Yeah. Soc. Mm. Um, so as it, as it approaches soc, it's my favorite uh, member of Congress. <laughs> Uh, it's a nice time to play spooky board games. It's it's funny because I have never particularly. Um, I don't think I've ever particularly gravitated to spooky video games. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think spooky video games try to actually scare you, mm-hmm. whereas spooky board games are just hey, it's a spooky board game. And this one's got a Frankenstein on it. Yeah, it's like so. Like I feel like that that very much matches with what we do here where it's like we do so, we do some light decorations but what's like mm-hmm. it's like cats and and like pumpkin decorations it's not yeah. it's not like a few houses down there people are putting like fake blood on the house sighting so it's like it's not i'm not looking i'm not looking to to make it look like a crime scene <laughs> No, yeah, you don't have like Bloody Mary coming out of me. Yeah, just... so yeah, it, it is. It, it's like a a, a spook, a, you know, a, a light spooky vibe. Not necessarily. You are going to need therapy. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's good. Um, yeah. So none of my, none of these board games are ones that you're going. They're going to require therapy anyway. Uh, so the first one, uh, which is the one that we played recently uh, this last weekend, is a game called My Father's Work, and it's. Uh, so the premise is you and the other players, two to four uh, of you, uh, are the children of your father, who was a Frankenstein, by which I mean a Dr. Frankenstein who makes the, um, makes, makes the naughty monsters as opposed to uh, a Frankenstein, the man with the nuts under bolts who likes mm-hmm. to strangle you. So you will each be dealt a, uh, a masterwork that your aim across the game is to uh complete your father's masterwork um so it might be so i played it two player with laura i had lycanthropic strength i was trying to create the formula for lycanthropic strength uh and laura was trying to create 
or a time machine, I believe it was. And you do this by going into town, by getting animal parts, by getting uh, bodies from the graveyard, by being a big old spooky Frankenstein. Uh, and there's a uh, there's a book in the table that's got the game board on it. Uh, and there is also, I'm not usually a fan of an app-assisted game, but there is a narrative component, and there were too many words to fit into, like, choose your own adventure book or something like that. Uh, so instead, as you go through through the game you will reach story points where it says okay now look at the uh, app and it will read a little bit of story for you and you will be asked to participate in the story and to make it go in different directions and it might say okay now change the village map to page four and then you'll change to page four and uh the blacksmith has been destroyed and it's been i don't know maybe maybe the villagers have decided that you are too creepy and they've decided that you're in league with the blacksmith but it can go off in all of these different directions most of which are in the vibe of a schlocky transylvania (laughs) we are going to Young Frankenstein was the touch point for the uh, the film. Young Frankenstein was the yeah. touch point for the design style. So it's it's a cheeky, uh, but still vaguely Victoriana uh, vibe to the thing. Um, and the other unique thing about it is that you will have to work through three generations. So uh, you will. So your first family will grow to the age of. 70 and then you'll start with a new family that have got their own uh, they've got their own bank account they've got a different amount of money uh, they won't have necessarily taken all the master the projects that you created through with them they might need to learn new knowledge or you might be able to write it down in a book so that you've got a little bit more knowledge the next time and it's this process of slowly seeing a village change over time with your actions in lots of weird ways apparently there's a way that you can uh, get it into some strange Mad Max uh, blood death sports uh, version, which is the, the kookiest one in there. Um, but it's usually, again, oh, there is a Frankenstein coming after you. Are you going to build it a puppy or a wife? And then, oh, it didn't like the puppy. Maybe it's going to steal all of your spouses. Um, it's a weird, fun, cool game that does a lot of things with the medium that I was not expecting to see. And it's it's one of those ones that I bought a while ago. And then it turns up in a box the size of a dog coffin. And you think, oh, fuck, when am I ever going to play this? Um, and it's, the player count was two to four. And I thought, God, am I going to have to convince uh, two other people to play this in order to get the most out of my father's work. Uh, but having played it at two players, I would say only play it at two players. That game is long. Mm. It sounds um, a little tiny bit like Crusader Kings because it's like you're, hey, I'm going to try to build a kingdom or whatever. I'm going I'm to yes. try to unify this thing. And it's like, well, you fucking died, guy. Yes. Like, you're, you're, you're done. And like, maybe people don't like your son as much. It is a little bit like that. Yeah, you can. We we ended up in a real state because, uh, as I alluded to, uh, the creature that our fathers made came back to uh, haunt us and uh, took took half of our uh, estate staff away from us. So we ended up going into the third generation, being like, "Well, fuck! There's only like one of us. We can only get like one corpse this entire round." Um, yeah, I, ho- I hope you like being a count instead of a king, motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, very much that kind of thing. So that's my father's work. 
That seems cool. What's the next one? Uh, the next one is, so if you've got a few more players, you might want to play a game called Don't Mess With Cthulhu. Uh, I'm not particularly a fan of the Cthulhu mythos or anything <laughs> like that. Uh, and I'm not particularly, so I usually have a bit of a rule with board games that I will only buy them if I like the way that they physically look as objects because they have to take up space in my relatively small house. This one, I think, is quite an ugly board game, uh, but I'd watched a Let's Play of it maybe a year ago and I thought that looks really, really fun and I'd not been able to stop thinking about it. It was about £15 and I thought, you know what, fuck it, let's get this game. Uh, And it's really good. So basically, uh, it's a hidden role game in which uh, let's the, the majority group are investigators who are trying to prevent Cthulhu from rising and the other players so let's say three players versus two players um are cultists who would like thulu to please rise and kill everyone and eat all their souls um and you will be dealt uh these a, a whole bunch of cards in front of you you'll start with five in the first round and then they'll get shuffled up and then go down to four go down to three go down to two etc etc um which will either have uh, an elder sign on them which the uh Um, which the good players are looking for. Uh, They will have just rocks on them, which is just a waste of a turn, Uh, or they will have Cthulhu on, and if you can make someone turn over the Cthulhu card, the evil team instantly wins the game. So it becomes a game of you will pick up your hand of five cards, you will look and go, oh, okay, I've got two Elder Signs, but I've also got Cthulhu, so maybe I don't want to tell anyone because there's a risk of them accidentally choosing Cthulhu and people take it in turns to go okay well I'm going to have a look at one of Grant's cards mm-hmm. and Grant will say no please don't look at any of my cards I've got Cthulhu I swear but he might be an evil player who doesn't have Cthulhu at all and has actually got three Elder Signs that the good t- side need to win so mm-hmm. it becomes this funny little um, push and pull of how much do I trust them based on what you saw from them in the previous round yeah. all of that good stuff uh, and it's quite a fun one because often in a social deduction game if you are revealed as being a member of the evil team that's not good news and because nobody's going to trust you but it can actually be very very helpful in this game because you might have another player out there who didn't know who you were but now think ah there's my ally i can secretly wink at them and i can try and get them to do things and i can continue to pretend to be a good player and sabotage it from within and that then becomes really fun and the other thing that's a fun little twist is there is a fourth type of card which is a special rule so there might be a special rule that the card that you've been dealt this round uh means that you have just got to be entirely silent for the entire round and you're not allowed to speak using words or uh, gestures, you wouldn't be able to point to a card and give a thumbs up or something like that. So uh, that's fun, A, because it's very irritating if you've got it and you can see people who are going, ooh, Rob's being very quiet. Do you think he'll be okay? Should we should we check his card? Um, but it's also something that you can just pretend that you have got in front of you and you can have to, like, if, if, you, if you're worried that you don't know what light to tell, you can just go, I'm going to stay quiet this round. And even if someone else is staying silent, hey, they uh, they could be the one bluffing. Who even knows? So that's a very fun, very silly game. Yeah, it's like, a, because I, th- I feel like the most popular hidden information games are like your role, which like, it, it sounds like there are, you know, like there's two, you know, two sides on this. Yes. Which is fine. But it, this, it definitely seems like it is more important of what you have than what you are. 
Yes, exactly. And you, that will be shuffled around between rounds. So it's, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a very interesting one where you can be super useful or super not, or you can, there's a little bit, there's just enough chance that if someone turns, if someone, if someone were to investigate one of my cards and I said, oh, I've got, I've got two Elder Signs, please trust me. And they turn over a rock. It's like, oh, that one wasn't the Elder Sign. I guess you'll have to try me again. And, uh, it's, it's never, there's always a little bit of a question mark over were they did we not find anything because they were lying or that we just randomly chose the cards in an uh, unfortunate order yeah. so yeah that's a really good one it reminds me a little bit of uh, I, I think I watched Polygon play a board game I think it's called like I think it might be called Sheriff of Nottingham um, oh and where where there's like you're the the role of the sheriff changes uh, yes. my understanding is, is is like per turn or like per round and yes. you're trying to like get through things through like <laughs> medieval customs or whatever um yes, yes. and like oh well, i have it's all i have is corn i don't have any contraband and then the sheriff is like if they search you and you don't have contraband then they get penalized it, it sounds like it has similarities to that Yes, very much so. Sheriff of Nottingham is an absolutely fantastic game. I've only played it once, but it, that once stuck with me. I really, really enjoyed it. Yeah, it's one of the, I mean, like, uh, Polygon probably, probably played, like, I don't know, a dozen of, of games, yes. and that's that's one of them that, that stuck in my head. Yes, and the, the other rule that's wonderful about Sheriff of Nottingham, as I'm sure you remember, is uh, you can just bribe the sheriff. Yeah, it's like, so, hey, take my shit. Like, take, here, take some of this cool stuff if you look the other way. I've got a I've got a friend who says here's a pound or here's one coin it's a speedy boarding fee just deal with me first I don't care um, so I just do enjoy the speedy boarding fee yeah I that it, it, it's uh, it seems cool and what's the what's the what are the other ones the next on the list uh, the final one in my trifecta of spooky board games that I wanted to just big up is uh, I mentioned this one a few weeks ago but I thought I'd mention it again because it's a really really good game and is probably going to be my game of the year uh, Blood on the Clock Tower which is uh, an enormous game uh, in which it's like Werewolf, but everyone's got a really cool role and everyone's role looks incredibly overpowered. Um, and it's, it's so, um, let's say... One of the evil team might have the ability. They can just see all of the moderator's notes so they can see what character everybody is. They can see all of that stuff. Um, but then one of the good teams might be, oh, you you can point to anyone in the night and you will immediately find out whether they're a demon. Um, and it's all sorts of funny things where the storyteller, who is the moderator, um, there are a lot of mechanics where one character can make another character one player can make another player drunk so that they will no longer get correct information in the night so people are really trying to it's a really high information version of a social deduction game so it's more like working out a puzzle but some of the information can be wrong so it becomes very uh weird and i wanted to shout out specifically because uh i played a game of it online yesterday for the first time because me and laura we've got new caps so we're having to take it in turns to go to board games night uh yesterday it was my day cap sitting the cats uh not cat sitting they're my cats but supervising the cats because they're too young to be left alone for too long um so i played a little game online with complete strangers and it was still really fun it's one of those games that uh it's uh, as far as i have experienced so far there is no such thing as a bad game of clock tower it is just a good time is it uh, like a dedicated app or using like board game simulator or whatever 
there is there is a uh, there is a Discord server for Blood on the Clock Tower where people will say, "Hey, I would like to host a game at 8 p.m. on this day. Would anyone like to join?" And you can just do signups. Um, there is a little web app that it handles a lot of things in the same way that um, yeah, a lot of board games have got web apps. Um, but it's broadly, is it, it's not like you can just go, I'm going to download the Blood on the Clock Tower app, and then I'm going to drop into a game of Clock Tower. There's, there's, it needs. Uh, specific planning but they they make it incredibly easy and they're very nice about it that seems cool yeah uh, and then what's the, the non-spooky board game the non-spooky board game is just another game that i have uh recently got called quest uh and it is very good it is a um it's a re so it was going to be a an expansion to a game called uh avalon which is a uh, have, you, have you heard the board game The Resistance? Hmm. I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say no, but the real answer is maybe. That's okay. Um, so Avalon was an expansion for The Resistance that got out of hand. Um, the Resistance, sorry, um, Quest is an expansion to Avalon that got out of hand. So there's this one designer who keeps on going, I'm just going to uh, tweak this board game. And they go, oh, fuck, I've accidentally made a new board game, which I already find quite fun. Um, it's it's it, it's another social deduction game, so I won't go into the nitty gritty of the... Uh, here's how you Somebody's win. Somebody's a werewolf. Yeah, yeah. Somebody is, uh, somebody is Morgana Le in this case and it's it's got a bit of a uh, king arthur medieval type of theme mm-hmm. uh, the thing that i think is kind of interesting about it and it's the first time that i've heard of this being the case with a board game um is it's got two two sets of rules in the box uh one of them is the weird game that the designer wanted to put out and they've called those rules the director's cut um and the other version is uh, the more conventional game that um, the publishers wanted to put out, I think, because they were worried that it wouldn't sell. And it's in this very strange wet world where the rule book contains the the less interesting version of the game. And then there's a little pamphlet inside being like, P.S. If you want to play this game properly, here's how you play the game properly. And the that thing that's weird sucks. about it is... Yeah, yeah, no, it's 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 very very odd, and I I I, I guess more than anything, I just want to PSA: Hey, use the director's cut rules. So um, the thing that is weird about it, and it is weird, is as I say, it's a social deduction game. Uh, the evil player, the evil team, will usually have more players than the good team, so it will feel like they're outnumbered. But there's a lot of fun mechanics where. Um, if good lose, then they get a last chance to try and identify all the evil players and only the evil players. But then there's an evil player called the Blind Hunter, who, if they can name um, the roles of two good players, they can immediately win the game. So if you're a good player, you might have information that your role gives you, but you don't want to be too obvious or else you might alert the bad team. It's a cool thing. Uh, and... I recommend the director's cut. Mm-hmm. What if we made a board game that, or a card game that was uh, involved urban fantasy, knitting, yes. <laughs> and uh, and playing an MMO? <laughs> I think Lothlin would be uh, be right back. We're here. gonna lock down the Lothlin market. Yeah, <laughs> we've got a very niche target market, but I think we'll hit on that. Yeah, but we've cornered it. Yes, yes. <laughs> Which is what's important in capitalism, right? Is you you win, uh, you you win by shutting everyone out. Uh, he wins when everyone dies. Um, 
I've played some games. Mm. I I've I'm off this week, so it's a lot of like uh, playing things, testing things. Hey, do I want to put time into this? Um, the bay, I, I've I've I'm not I'm not gonna get into the Bayonetta three thing because there's just been a a huge kerfuffle, and I'm just not. Gonna play oh Bayonetta. God, yes, and I'm just not gonna play Bayonetta three, which is a bummer. But it's like. Oh man! It's just I've written it off. Like it's done. So that's so wild because for the longest, for about the last five years, you've been saying like, even if it reviews badly, I'm gonna play it. It's been yeah, and it reviewed well. Um, <laughs> it's not out yet as we're recording, um, but it just it's so and like it's so messy. It's so sloppy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I just don't feel good uh, playing it, regardless of no. The, I get it. I get of it. the details. So. It's a bummer, but what are you going to do? I mean, so I've been playing other things. Um, it's not the end of the world. There are many video games to play. Um, I played and beat Wayward Strand, which is a game that has been like, it came out in September and it was like, it's one of those games where it came out in like, a, there was a demo in one of those like Steam demo things or whatever, Steam sale or Steam demo weeks or whatever. Um, and I was like, oh, well, you know, this seems, this seems up my alley. And I want to say the demo didn't ha- even have voice acting and it's fully voice acted uh, in the full release. And I played it. Uh, it's on, I think it's on pretty much everything. It's on, PC, it's on Switch, it's on Xbox and PlayStation, I think. Um, it's, I played it on PlayStation. So I think the only one that I'm, I'm not sure about is, is if it's on Xbox. Um, and, uh, it's, it's pretty good. You're, you play as a, a 14 year old girl who it's in set place, it's set in Australia and you're in a small town, um, that has a floating hospital. It's a hospital in, in, in basically what was like a, a Zeppelin, um, from Germany that was like a, a, you know, a thing that people, uh, like traveled on that it was decommissioned. Mm-hmm. And then you have like a rich guy who's like, I'm going to have it as a luxury hospital and I'm going to, I'm going to buy this Zeppelin and we're going to have this luxury hospital and people have to, if you're on the mainland, you have to take a little, uh, like, uh, ski lift up or whatever um and your your mom is the head like the head nurse and so she there's there's shit popping off and she needs you to come help her for like a long weekend basically and so it takes place over three days you're coming and you're talking to like this these these elderly people in this in this floating hospital and it is a lot of like um like things are taking place as it's it's something of a clockwork world where you can't be everywhere at once. There, there's stuff happening. There's a schedule happening. So you, you definitely uh, cannot see everything in one gameplay, in one, in one playthrough. Um, and you're just you're talking to to these elderly people. You're learning their stories and you're you're figuring out things. And you're so part of it is probably the the weakest part is the the interactions between you and your mother because it's like, hey, there's stressful stuff happening, and I need you to help out. And then it's like, well, what do I do? And she's like, go talk and hang out with the old people. And you're like, all right, well, I have, I'm a, I'm a writer for my school paper. I guess I'll write an article. Um, she's like, no, to do stuff. And it's like, okay, well, what stuff? And she's like, talk to old people. And you're like, okay, but I'm doing that and I can write an article about it. And it's like, she's like, no, you need to, I need you to do work. And it's like, but what work? Um, is, is, um, weird. That part of it is weird. And like that, cause like that is a core conflict. Um, but it's, 
it's like a conflict that like doesn't make any sense <laughs> because like your mom is upset and frustrated and kind of taking it out on you but mm-hmm. there's never ever like it's not like they could easily have it like where you're making decisions like am I doing more helping out or am I doing more like my fun school project and it really just seems like you can help out by doing your fun school project <laughs> um mm-hmm. and so like that that part of it is a little bit weird but the rest of it all seems like this is a game that I would make like this is the kind of thing that I would do where you're just talking you're you're walking around you're talking to people and you're trying to figure things out and uh, putting together, like, okay, well, who's this person that's supposed to be coming? And they're like, oh, did you hear? There's this person. And they're like, okay, well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna write that down in my notebook. And I'm gonna go talk to this other guy who might know a little bit more. And you know, you put together, and there's not like some big great mystery. It's not like you're, it's not like a, it's the, the, the scope and scale of it are not like, oh, and you're going to save Australia or whatever, or you're going to sink the people, the old people, and they're gonna burn to death or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just like a cool, neat thing that I, like a lot. I, the end. The end of it. Uh, pretty fucking cool. And I'm. I'm very glad that it was fully voice acted because the voice acting is pretty good. So that's Wayward Strand. It's pretty nice. Pretty cool. Into it. Um, a Plague Tale Two came out. A uh, Plague Tale Requiem. So I've been playing that. Uh, extremely beautiful. Gorgeous game. Love looking at it. Uh, I'm into the setting. I'm into the visuals. I'm into the characters. I'm into the story generally. Fucking hate the stealth combat or the stealth gameplay. It just, I just fucking hate it. And every time it's like, okay, you're in the stealth mode, and it's like, okay, well, I'm, I'm going to trudge through this, and then like, oh, if you get seen, up, oh, fuck you, restart the the section, and it's like, if you really love stealth, I guess, um, go with God, but it's just. I really hate, like, the core part of the game where you're playing the game is deeply unpleasant to me. And it's kind of the same problem that was in the first Plague Tale. Yeah, the vibe of it, it always looks like Dishonored to me, but grimmer. Is a, that- little, a little bit. Uh, it, it, it definitely has that, like, yo, it's European, it it seems old-timey. Uh, this is This is more old-timey than than that like mm-hmm. with with uh dishonored like you have this kind of like obviously like alternate history but you have like uh like whale oil lamps and things like that and this this is very much more like medieval france right 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 but you know it's old continental europe yeah so, no robots yeah no no yeah no, no robots no uh no um uh, uh, poofing over to, to stealth someone to death. The Sonder is a place way, way better than, uh, a flight tale. Um, it's, it's, it is such a bummer because, like, in so many ways, it is a game for me, except for the part where you do stealth and I just fucking hate it. Uh, where I w- like, they even have it like a difficulty mode and I'm like, I wish your difficulty mode went down to, yeah, but skip the part where you play the game. <laughs> like don't I I it just it just very it's deeply deeply unpleasant to play so it sucks um I I think it probably would just be better as like a a, a series like a like a like a an eight episode like Netflix show or something but uh, I just think I think it works not great as a video game but um it it looks really good they have great tech 
And it's one of those games that, it's one of those relatively few games that it is a game that is for PC and the current gen consoles. There is not an older version of it. So, like, they get to use some cool visual tech that we don't get to see often, um, enough. Uh, so that's cool. It's, it's neat. And if you can put up, if you're more tolerant of, of the stealth gameplay, um, you'll probably have a better time than I do. But man, man. Uh, I also played, Coral Island is a is a a farming sim that uh is uh out in in game preview. You can pay money for it, but it's also in Game Pass on PC. And uh boy, did they make Stardew Valley so much so that when you start the game, um I said, "Oh, did they just copy the map of Stardew Valley?" <laughs> So it it is once you get past your farm it is is different like the the setup is different but like oh my god this just looks like they made Stardew Valley like they started saying like, what if we made Stardew Valley 3D and it really it really like the where your where your house is looks the same um and also so much of it is 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 the, is the same like and listen I get it Stardew Valley didn't invent farm sims Harvest Moon yada 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 but like goddamn is this like a less good Stardew Valley <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I, uh, I, I don't know. I put an hour into it, and I'm like, okay, I could just play Stardew Valley. No, thank you, Coral Island. <laughs> um, and uh, I, I played the demo of a long journey to an uncertain end. Uh, played some of the demo. Didn't love it. Not, not probably not going to play through the that when it comes out. Um, I jumped into Halo, uh, the first Halo. Um, oh. Not loving it. It's not good. Um, I was what I would say. Uh, I, it's really weird where I think that, so they, they, they have the, in the Master Chief collection, they have it so you can toggle between like completely remade art assets and the classic assets. And I think that the, while the, the, the remade stuff is beautiful, like they did a good job. Um, I do think that it makes it somewhat more complicated, uh, because the, the detail in the environment m- kind of, um, makes you think that the solution might be in the complicated detail of the environment and not like check the walls, <laughs> like, like mm-hmm. go, like circle around the walls to see an opening. Um, uh, it also is, so it's a game from the early aughts. And at that time, it was very common to not have any sort of, like, indication of where you're supposed to be going. And I was just like, hey, find people. And that's the, that's the end of the instruction. And it's like, the, the theory of being of this gameplay is that, oh, you have to explore, you have to go through. But in the reality, it just means you're bumbling along for three times the time it would take if they just, like, said, they're over here. Um, so that's not pleasant. Um, there's no left trigger, right trigger. There's no aim down sights. Um, and, oh. and cause it's Halo. Um, and, uh, on the left trigger is the grenades. So I just kept over and over blowing myself up with grenades because the button where you go when I'm, when I want to shoot someone, uh, <laughs> throws a grenade. Oh, it's like Borderlands. <laughs> a little bit, but like Borderlands is much. I will say, so the driving of the fucking, the, the warthog is, plays like the fucking driving in Borderlands. And, and it's also my understanding that Gearbox did some, I think they did some like Halo, like they ported, maybe like they ported Halo 2 to PC or something like that. So I do wonder if they're like, yeah, we're getting this driving model from Halo. Um, which is to say, I hate it. I hate every, every moment that I've spent, uh, do, in the Warthog. Um, so not a fan of that is what I would say. 
probably not going to put too much more time into the first Halo. Also, the Halo uh, Master Chief Collection is 116 fucking gigabytes. Ooh. It's those are a bunch. It's just it's a bunch of original Xbox and 360 games. Why is it so many gigabytes? Yeah, that's a that's a fair handful. Fewer gigabytes, please. Um, goddamn. Uh, Dragon Age. I've also been playing, continuing to play Dragon Age Inquisition. Uh, continue to have a pretty good time. I uh, I did the the part in Orlay where you're you're at your Haram Shirel, uh, where you have to you have to uh, go to the the Grand Ball and all that stuff. And oh, I um, that being fun. It was. It, it's a nice way to like to to change things up. To change, it's a nice change of pace. I do think it's a little bit long. Mm-hmm. And I do say, like, man, I kind of wish that this was Hitman. Like, I wish that there was a hit, I wish that this was a Hitman level instead of the Dragon Age Inquisition gameplay. Yeah. It would be a great, it would be a great Hitman level. Oh, yeah. It would be very satisfying. Yes. Um, overall, you, I, I am continuing to have a good time with Dragon Age Inquisition. Um, I think I'm probably gonna, once I finish that, I'm probably gonna play through Dragon Age 2, which is a weird order to go in, but, what are you gonna do? <laughs> um, <laughs> um, I'm I'm now in the like I can play Dragon Age two on PC and have it look a lot better, or I could play it through backwards compatibility on the Xbox and it play a lot better because I can play on a controller. Which do you think you're gonna go for? I don't know. I don't love. I feel like the. I feel like Dragon Age Two specifically feels a lot better on a controller, where Dragon Age Origins doesn't necessarily work the best on a controller. Mm-hmm. Dragon Age Two, they just rethought it entirely, so it works. It feels better, especially if you're like if you're a rogue and you're doing dagger, you're stabbing people. It feels good to do it with a button, and it feels bad to be like, oh, what if I what if I press three on my keyboard. <laughs> yeah. Um and that's and that's uh those are the video games. Rob, where can people find you on the internet? Uh go to soundcloud.com forward slash Rob D. Webster. And if you want to see what Laughlin does, go to Instagram.com slash Laughlin. And if you want to see what I do, head over to Grantbruner.com. Or the weekly where I'm Grant Bruner. I'm Rob Webster. Have a good one. Cry and I probably won't hear you Because it's loud with the shop back